Hey, alright. And welcome to Better Yet. I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Better Yet is a conversation about music. And our conversation this week is with Samuelito Cruz of Toner. Toner put out one of my favorite records of this year, a record called Silk Road that was released on Smoking Room, a label owned by Samuelito Cruz. Much to talk about this week. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to Namdi for our intro music, Marcus Nuccio for our graphics. Each week, you can see all of those on our website, betteryetpod.com. Invite you all to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. You can also follow us on Bandcamp, betteryetpodcast.bandcamp.com. Hope you all had a safe holiday. Sending love to anybody who's having to go into work during the holiday season. And sending love to all my fellow Sagittarians. I turned 34 this week. What an unremarkable age to turn. 33, you get a palindrome. 34, 34, that means I was 17, 17 years ago. And I felt very 34 this week. All I did was listen to Bruce Springsteen and Rod Stewart, which is cool. Which is cool. I don't know what the average Better Yet listener thinks of Rod Stewart, but there's a long lineage of folks we all love who are just trying to be Rod Stewart mixed with the little Keith Richards. Johnny Resnick stole his haircut. They don't talk about that, do they? No. Working on a Rod Stewart playlist for the fam over at Patreon, patreon.com slash betteryetpodcast. Bruce, I'll give my Bruce takes away for free. Favorite Bruce Springsteen A-side closers. Number three, Backstreets. Off of Born to Run. Hard to argue with a song like that when you yourself have a friend named Terry. Number two, State Trooper. Off of Nebraska. Speaking of my friend Terry, one of my favorite memories, maybe of all time, Going to see the movie Nebraska in the theater. My friend Terry. And then going home and listening to Nebraska with my friend Terry. Number one, Racing in the Street. Off of Darkness on the Edge of Town. Amazing. You can have top three that doesn't include I'm on Fire, which is like the best Bruce Springsteen song. How does that work? I don't know. There's been a lot of music playing here lately in our house. And I'd say more than it's more than we've had um since I started doing this show again. That feels good. That enthusiasm that comes with just listening more and having more of just a a routine established obviously things got thrown a little bit like getting ready to move moving also with all this shit that's going on um but yeah playing a lot more records and getting that type of enthusiasm that comes with excitement uh for just music in general 
feeling very, very grateful for it right now. I just got the Summer Teeth reissue, the box set. Still my favorite Wilco album. Uh, remaster sounds really good. All the songs, I always, I always like when you hear a remaster and makes you makes you reconsider the songs that you kind of thought were snoozers at first. I think My Darling is like the best sounding song on this Summer T3 issue. Uh, the demos on there are really great too. But yeah, lots lots to be excited about. We got a Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast. We got playlists, whether they're made by me or friends like Tony Molina or Mikey Erg. We also offer an exclusive bit of content each week that comes directly from our guests who also receive a share of revenue from our Patreon. Each month, the proceeds from our Patreon are split equally between the show, our guests, and organizations chosen by our guests. If you pledge to our Patreon, patreon.com slash betteryetpodcast, this week you will be supporting Better Yet. You'll be supporting Sammy Lito. We're a podcast that pays our guests for their time. You can pledge $3 a month like you're leaving us a tip, or you can pledge $10 a month, which will gain you access to that exclusive content that I've been talking about. This week is a brand new toner track song called Tar, which was released just this week. We've got a download available on the Patreon. If you pledge to our Patreon, you'll be supporting the show, Samuel Lito. And this week, we're sending money to People's Breakfast. Oakland PBO is a grassroots black socialist political organization which serves the houseless community essential resources in Oakland. Since its founding in 2017, the organization has fed, provided clothing, and hygiene packs to over 5,000 Oakland residents. All right, my guest this week is Samuelito Cruz of Toner. Toner put out one of my favorite records of this year, a record called Silk Road. Very dope, fuzzy, power pop you can hear a duster influence on there i pick up some 17 seconds eric cure vibes but on top of toner samuelito has a long list of credentials including hotline tnt he played in happy diving and he plays in tony molina's live band those two also play in healer a punishing west bay power violence band who put out a 10 song seven inch this year on Smoking Room, Samuel Ito's label, which, quick sidebar, we talk about this in the interview when we talk about screen printing, smokingroom.bigcartel.com. I highly encourage y'all to check out these screen printed t-shirts that Samuel Ito's got up there. I, myself, am a proud owner of a Todd Rundgren shirt that I picked up from smoking room also duster cleaners from venus the lemon heads check that shit out those teas are very very fresh there was much to discuss samuelito is a busy busy dude involved with so much great music fun interview for you all subscribe to the podcast tell a friend here's me and samuelito cruz
debt to a mutual friend, Tony Molina, because he made me he made me a very very lovely mix uh, a couple weeks ago. I haven't returned the favor yet, partially because I'm afraid he's gonna roast me no matter what I put on there. Oh. Of course, of course, always. I know how it is. <laughs> I know how it is. I deal with it every time I see that fool. Dude, it's just like, oh, man. Like, I, I started, you should see how many records I half pulled out just to, like, oh, mate, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm like, oh, this this fan club B-side, that, no, not a chance. Not a chance. Yeah. <laughs> that's, some, that's some classic Tony shit for sure. <laughs> that's when I actually met him. And pretty much after that, we would just like I would go to his shows, or we would like kick. We like went to the Milk Music show together, and like yeah. posted up there. Fuck yeah, yeah. And then you were over. You were over at my place in 2016, and mm-hmm. I seen you around. And I think I think you and I maybe I don't want to like jump to conclusions here, but I have a tendency when I meet people like one time and i see them again down the line i'm like always trying to go say hello and then i'm like no 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 way he remembers me and then i'm like why Dude, i'm just i'm the same way man same way <laughs> you know, I, I just don't want to get like cool guy or cold shoulder i'm like oh i'm just punishing this fool i'll just walk away now like <laughs> totally and then you and then i always walk away and i'm just like man now now i at some point i'm gonna see samuelito again and I'm, it's going to be the same thing. And it's always going to be the same thing. But you put this toner record out, so that gave me a great excuse to, to say what's up. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. Dude, I, I fucking love this record. And it, it's, it's something that I've, I have pretty consistently played since I ordered it. You've been uh, and you, you've been working on this for a long time too, right? Some of these songs have uh, previous iterations on different releases, right? Yeah, we we changed our name to Heaven's Blade uh-huh. for like f- five months, and then we recorded a tape and played it like two shows with Duster for the reunion shows. Oh shit! How was that? <sighs> nerve-wracking as hell yeah uh the first night we played with them it was like sold out at great american music hall Mm -hmm. and uh i was just like pounding tequila just to get through it because i was so fucking nervous (laughs) and we practiced like twice before the show we showed up late and missed sound check and i was just like this is just falling apart already (laughs) and at the end of the show not a very positive story but uh (laughs) we were backstage and uh someone's friend was like, do you want a little bump of this? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. I was already uh-huh. fucked up. Uh-huh. And then uh, we go outside to smoke, and Duster just came out and finished, and we're all in the back smoking. And I just, this is the last thing I remember. I was just, like, hitting the cig, and I was like, I was like, yo, man, that's how it was. And then I just blacked out. <laughs> and the next thing I remember, I guess it was ketamine. I thought it was something else. Yeah. I don't know. And, uh... The next thing I remember, I opened my eyes and my friends are carrying me down the hall in the back. Then I blacked out again. And the next thing I remember is me throwing up in a trash can and Tony and my guitarist just yelling at each other in the green room. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the first night with Duster. 
about the second night? The second night was great. Yeah. The venue, everyone was there was a dickhead, but we played much better. Uh-huh. It was way more less stress, so. Yeah, you get it all out of the way. Yeah, that's fucking yep. funny. That I saw them in Chicago. Holy fucking shit. They were so good. Dude, yeah, they're bomb still. They still got it. For sure. So uh, where where are you living now? Uh, I live in Oakland, like downtown Oakland, borderline West Oakland. Oh, okay. You grow up? Mm-hmm. You grow up there? You grew up in San Francisco? Uh, I grew up in the East Bay still, uh, like uh-huh. 15, 20 minutes south from Oakland uh, in West End. And, I mean, I've been going out here for shows since I was like 13 and like playing shows out here. So, yeah. like, I mean, it's always kind of been like my second home regardless, you know? Mm-hmm. So when you say when you say East Bay, is that is that Oakland or is that San Francisco? Is there are they both part of the East Bay? Uh, East Bay is is Oakland. Okay. Uh, West Ends Oakland or West Ends East Bay, Hayward's East Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, SF's like, I, I guess West Bay. I don't, ask uh-huh. Tony about that. I'm not even going to comment on that because he's just going to hear this and be like, "No, what the fuck? What are you talking about, bro?" So <laughs> I don't even step on that territory you know yeah what I mean? for sure so so west end is like where you where you grew up uh-huh. are your folks still yeah. there it, uh yeah all my family's still there uh except my brother who lives in la now and i live in oakland but i mean anytime i want to go see them it's like just drive like 15 20 minutes and i'm there so that's awesome were you just out yeah. were you, when you were out in la were you visiting your brother uh i was actually visiting my friend justice prophet he's oh, like shit. uh yeah yeah, he's like a bar none recording guy. Uh-huh. I got that uh, Angel we, Dust record. That's Justice, right? Uh, the Angel of Mine? Angel Dust? Angel Dust. Oh, there's uh, a different Justice. Okay, you're talking about a different Justice. Oh, not not Justice from Angel Dust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ju- his, this dude's name is like literally Justice Prophet. Uh-huh. It sounds like a fake Fuck, name. that's but, so tight. Um, yeah, I was just chilling with him, and then he was like, yo, let's. I got this new like task cam. Let's record a track. Mm-hmm. So I just did this new single, and he was like, yo, I just got this new camera, let's film a video. And I was like, I think videos are whack, but I trust you, I guess, so let's just do it. And then that's what I'm putting out on Wednesday. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm stoked. So uh, so growing up, was there was there music in the house? Um, I was, I mean, the stuff I was pretty much raised on was like oldies uh-huh. low rider type stuff yeah um and then my sister like later down the line got me into stuff like corn and like she was into nirvana but i didn't really like nirvana yeah and and then we started going to our cousin's house and hayward a bunch and that's when like i was introduced to like rancid no effects mm-hmm. black flag and then pretty much after that um i would always like every week me and my brother and my friends would just go to Rasputin, this record store mm-hmm. that's all around the Bay Area, but there's one in Newark at the time. And we just used to like go through all the CDs and they had like these like you scan the barcode and you can just like listen to samples from each of the albums. So like mm-hmm. we're getting to like the exploited and like the addicts and yeah, like yeah. a bunch of different type of the spike like, street punks. punk. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So th- when did you start like when did you start playing? Um, I, th- I think I started playing drums in f- fourth grade. Okay. And my brother was taking, 
guitar lessons and pretty much like we were all like skaters up until that period and then once we started playing music we're like mm-hmm. all right this is done like let's just strictly go as hard as we can yeah for sure and so we've just been like pretty much doing the same thing since i was like i don't know 10 11 yeah. or something so you were playing drums early on and we we and you were playing with him on guitar were you both into the same sort of stuff yeah we had like a street punk band Fuck it. uh i don't really want to say name but yeah <laughs> It's just I don't want anyone to try to Google it and find it. Just yeah. gotta leave that, you know. You play shows with that band and shit. Oh yeah, we we were banned for like eight years or something. Oh for real? Yeah, we played for a long time, but we only put out like one seven inch and then uh, a bunch of CDs and tapes. Yeah, and then in the meantime, I was starting like side projects with my friends, like more like thrash, hardcore, mm-hmm. DRI kind of influence stuff. Yeah, dude, that. That shit, too, especially out there, is, like, it's in the fabric, I feel like. At least I'm just, I'm thinking of Healer. So, like, oh, all yeah, of those yeah. all of those SF bands that y'all seem to worship. Oh, yeah. that There was, like, Stress Domain Records. That was, like, a SoCal-based label, but Barrier, a lot of Barrier bands wanted, like, Migraine and E. coli and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that's... That was like the peak of me getting into hardcore. Like, was was that era? I guess. Yeah, totally. So, like, smoking room. Um, then when when did you start doing that? Smoking room was, um, I would say, maybe planned in late 2015. Started in 2016. Uh huh. Um, and that was pretty much just like. Happy Diving got signed, mm-hmm. and we kind of broke up and fell apart, and, like, we took a long time trying to decide what label to go with, mm-hmm. and after that, I was like, like, none of this really did anything to help us. It kind of just, like, separated us and made us argue more, so, like, I was like, and not only that, all my friends were starting new bands at the time, and I was like, well, no one's going to give these people a platform, no one's going to release their music, and it's going to be hard for them to get out there, so... Mm-hmm. I'd rather just release all my friends' tapes, and then eventually, um, my friend Will, who played in that band Weed and Hotline TNT, yeah. um, was like, "You want to do the last record? We have these songs." And I was like, "Okay, yeah, I'll do my first vinyl release." And then ever since then, I was just like, "Let's just keep it going." Yeah, hell yeah! And you got the. I'm so freaking bummed, dude. I I uh, I was gonna surprise you with my smoking room. Todd Rundgren shirt that I oh hell yeah dude that's classic when did you get into screen printing um shit let me restart that I think the first like year and a half of smoking room I was paying my friend Ronnie yeah to screen all the shirts because he just got into it and then he got sick of it and was like I'm selling everything I have so who wants to buy it and I just bought the whole thing off him hell yeah and then we we moved it to my friend Daniel's. Uh, he lives in San Leandro, and he has like this, like it's almost like an outdoor shed house thing. I don't know. Uh-huh. So, pretty much like every week, I just go over there and me and him screen the shirts and do it all ourselves. Yo, hell yeah! I just moved into a house. We moved out of the city, so I'm in uh, Valparaiso, Indiana now. 
Um, oh, nice. Yeah, and there's like, you know, I come in here and I got like a million like things that I want to do now that I have space, and that's one of them. So I've just been. Do you have like Michaels out there? On the most yeah, yeah. yeah, I got a couple of uh, <laughs> like their kits, like the speedball kits with like the photo emulsion shit, just stacking it up in a corner. And then one day, maybe in 2022, when I figure out all this other shit, I can start doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like it. I mean, we had trial and error first the longest time mm-hmm. and like fucked up so many shirts and so many prints. And now it's like, we don't even make the screens. I, I pay my friend Nick Cowman to make the screens because that's the biggest pain in the ass for yeah. me. I still don't know how to do yeah. that. Um, and then we we just pick up the screens and then nail it out ourselves. Well, I'll definitely make sure to... Uh, well, I guess this, is, this will end up being the second time I plug this shit because if you're looking for a Christmas gift, smokingroom.bigcartel, the, that duster shirt that you got is fucking fantastic. Lemonhead's one. Also very good. That yellow on blue. Dude, all those thank you so all much. All those screens are so sick. Hopefully I I mean I haven't got hit with the cease and desist yet, so we'll see what see how long that lasts. Don't, but. don't worry, this this isn't big enough to to fucking <laughs> get any ears for Oh yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> I mean I even on the site, I, that's the thing. It's like I I list the shirts, it's like bootleg number one, number two. Because yeah. if you Google that shit, you, you know, my my homie got caught up with, like, a 3-6 Mafia bootleg or something. And so mm. I was like, okay, uh, I don't want to hit that. So I'm just not going to put names in any of it, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, so Happy Diving, let's 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 bring that one back a little bit. Because that, that band starts in, like, 2011, 2012, right? When's that first LP come out? I th- Maybe I think Big World was 2014. 14 or 2015 yeah that's it's 2014 because the second one i'm bad with titles so don't don't feel like i i don't know but the second one was for sure 2016 oh yeah yeah because that's what we yeah we picked up the new records on our first and only u.s tour which is 2016 you only toured one time really uh we did like like, full u.s yeah we did one full u.s and that pretty much broke us (laughs) and that's yeah that came to a conclusion after that but shit i mean we're all we're all we've taken so much time apart and you know matt lived mm-hmm. in seattle he, he moved to la recently and uh we're just there, there's talks of maybe one day we'll do something again but who knows yeah um so everything was cool like after the fact yeah we just all took a lot of time away from each other and it, yeah much needed but we're all good. We all still we're all still homies, super close. So, and I'd I'd argue too that it's um, the shit that Matt's doing now. I think is his best work. I think that you're onto something now that is super exciting and great. Feels like it it ends well, right? Yeah, for, I mean, it definitely worked out for the best. Like. Mikey started New Circle, and they put out an LP on Smoking Room. They kick ass. Mm-hmm. Um, Will did Hotline TNT after Weed and Happy Diving. Yeah. And then Matt's killing it with the Berries and Big Bite. So, I mean, everyone's got their own thing anyway. So it kind of worked out, and I'm glad everyone got, like, their own thing to hold rather than us just bickering about some stupid shit 
Mm-hmm. There was just too too much going on with all of us and happy diving at the time that it just kind of clashed a lot. Yeah. So, um, how how did that band start? Because you were saying you were saying Matt was living in Seattle. Uh, when we started, uh, we were all in the Bay Area, like at our parents' house. Like I was in West End. Uh-huh. He was in San Ramon. Mikey was from West End, and I think Matt Yanko, the other guitarist, was from Dublin. Uh-huh. And so it's all like East Bay, just 15, 20 minutes apart. And um, pretty much my, me and Mikey's old band broke up, or we quit. And then Matt was like, my band just broke up. I have these songs. Do you guys want to mm-hmm. jam? So we jammed at my mom's house like twice. And he was like, I still have the studio time book with Jack Shirley. So let's record an EP. We recorded the EP. And he's like, let's just drop it now. Out of nowhere, the day we put it out, Father Daughter Records hit us up. It was like, take this down. We want to put this out. Mm. And then, like, the first song we ever released was like, not that this matters because that shit's whack anyways, but somehow it got on Pitchfork or something. Uh And then Happy Diving started getting more attention. And then Jesse was like, you guys should do the South by thing. And then that's where we met Tony. And Matt was already a huge fan of Tony at the time. Um, And I was, like, getting familiar. And that's pretty much how that started. Yeah. So so what what then happened because your ear gone from father daughter pretty quickly. I know that you're uh, try- I know that you're trying to move on here but uh no no not at all. If that's cool. The, uh so it's this is strange actually. We were getting someone kept messaging us on our Facebook and we, we didn't check our messages at the time because people ask you a lot of annoying things that you're just like why are you asking me this? Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Uh-huh. And someone kept messaging us and was like, we're trying to email you. Like, get back to me, get back to me, get back to me. And no one saw it for a long time. And I go and check the email and I'm like, this is from Side One Dummy Records. Like, mm-hmm. they want they want to sign us. And then Matt's like, Oh, what? fuck, no. <laughs> you too? And so, and so me and Matt are like, yo, like, let's hit these fools up. So we get on a conference call with them. We start talking about it. And then right at that time, I... I don't know even know how Top Shelf knew, but then Top Shelf was like, hey, we want to put out your record, sign mm-hmm. with us. And we're like, well, side one offered us this. So like, well, we'll offer you this. And then it just kind of kept going back and forth. And then personally, no offense, Kevin, I wanted to go to, on side one. And Matt wanted to do Top Shelf. Uh-huh. But more so, Top Shelf got the agreement. So we went with them. And then ESU came out, did the full U.S. tour. Yeah. And we, we kind of overcompensated on the day. We did, like, it could have been a shorter full U.S. tour, but we chose to play literally everywhere we possibly could. Uh-huh. And we all just kind of got burnt out and started bickering. And Yeah, for sure. It, yeah, that's just how it goes, you know? Yeah, totally. For what it's worth, I just talked to Kevin for our Patreon, and he said nothing but good things about uh, Happy Diving and that record, and you in particular. So, I know that I know Appreciate that, that. good with that. Um, That's what's up. But yeah, fucking side one dummy. I got so many friends that got burned by those motherfuckers. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh shit! A lot I didn't of know that. people I thought... were signed to that label when they just decided one day that they're not a label anymore. Yeah. No. I. Oh no. Oh. Okay. I do remember mm-hmm. that. I, uh, my friend's friend's band got signed, and then the same thing happened. Like, oh, guess we're not on a label anymore. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, 
So so you started playing uh, with Tony after that in the in the TMB. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, uh, I don't really remember how it started. Oh, I went to a show at the Knockout. I forgot who was playing. Mm-hmm. And Tony just—I think this was shortly after the ceremony tour he did. Yeah. And he was like, he's like, no more live shows. There's no band. Like uh-huh. everyone's out. And then I was just like super fucked up. I was like, dude, I love Tony Molina band. Like, uh-huh. this can't be the fucking then blah, blah blah. And then he was like, okay, but you have to play drums. And I was like, all right. And then he did like. He did a few shows after that without me. He played, like, Sound and Fury, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and I was just, like, pretty much road-dogging it with him for a minute. And then he had the Wild Honey Tour, which is where we met. Yeah. Um, and then I guess, like, a week before that tour, he was like, hey, Blaine's going to do this one, and then you'll start playing. And I was like, all right. And then him, him and Blaine had, like, a miscommunication about something. And he's like, yo, can you get a plane ticket? Like, we're going to go on tour next week. You mm-hmm. can play drums. And I was like... Let's fucking go. I was unemployed at the time, so I was like, let's fucking go. Yeah, for sure. And, that, and then that was like the first time, it, well, second time going to the East Coast, but like not having to go so many days on the road, just flying there and, and mm-hmm. starting the tour was like, it was a dream come true for me. I don't know. And not only that, playing in like one of my favorite bands, like Tony's one of my favorite songwriters, you know? Dude, he's the so, best. Yeah, for sure. He's the fucking best. And like, and you'd, you'd started doing Toner at that point, too, right? Uh, toner was started pretty much the same time around Happy Diving. I would say 2014. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was just me at the time. I, w- I was just, like, kind of fucking around. And then someone was like, hey, I really like that tape. We should do an LP. And I was like, okay. So I instantly, like, I wrote the LP, recorded at my mom's house in the backyard, and then shortly after that, moved to Oakland, and then the LP came out, and then it be, kind of became a, more of a full band after that. Mm-hmm. Is, it, um, is it everyone that's playing on Silk Road? Was that the like original live band? The original live band and pretty much same lineup. Yeah. Till now. Sure. Yeah. So the... Um, the LP, which I, I would say, I will say, it's tough to find because you only got, you only got two tracks streaming on Bandcamp. I had to work really hard to steal this. I also ordered one, on Discogs. Oh, Silk Road, not Silk Road. The first toner, LP. Oh, okay. The thing with that is, uh, I kind of, this is like how how it goes for me. I just kind of hate everything that I release after it comes out, so I kind of just hide it from the world. Yeah. And then, like, I put the I put the LP up with, like, demos and a bunch of stuff on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, pretty much it's just, like, I don't really see Toner as that band anymore, so, like, yeah, what it totally. was. So I kind of just, like, just want to keep it pushing, you know? Mm-hmm. And honestly, I, this song suck ass, in my opinion. <laughs> The, I think the ones that you got on the on that collection are really good, to be honest. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I don't think they're as good as Silk Road. I think that, um, I don't know. I feel like it's one of those releases that it's like the the germ of like what ends up becoming the band is there. So 
I can imagine why it's hard for you, though. It's very easy for for someone from the outside to just be like, yo, shit, like the beginning of this shit is here. It's documented by now. Like it's like I think one thing that's really, really vastly improved on uh, Silk Road is that you're you figured out how to sing with your voice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. How did that process come about? Was it just like the um, the actual like recording? Like you you got it by it, then? Yeah, I I think. Well, we did an EP in between, which was like a Dream Pop seven inch, mm-hmm. which I also don't like. And I was kind of like, I, there was like a weird effect on my vocals. Mm-hmm. And it almost sounded like auto-tune. I was like, this sucks. I'd rather just like try to push it as hard as I can. And then while we were recording the record, every time I do a take, everyone's like, is it good? And then everyone's like, yeah, it's good. It's bad. Redo it. Make it stronger. Go in harder. Like, mm-hmm. And if, pr- pretty much I was just like motivated a lot more, I feel like, by the band in general and having them there. So I feel like that's what made it more, I guess. Yeah, dude, you're totally – you're recording something yourself, and it's just like – yeah but i don't i don't know i i think one of the things i really like about the earlier recordings is just like that guitar tone is so fucking nice especially the cleaner tones on it because it just like totally reminds me of duster but also like early cure like 17 seconds era cure that clean ass guitar tone, like play for today. What? Uh, what? No, all... I I... Yeah, go ahead. What's that? Oh no, I just, I just, that's a first. I never heard that, so <laughs> appreciate it. What? What all were you like listening to when you were starting to write those songs? It feels like super fucking intentional. Mm, Silk Road are the first record. The, I guess, when you were starting toner, like, what did you want it to be? What were you like? Well, aiming at? the whole thing. The whole thing was like this. Okay, with the EP, the th- first thing I ever recorded, I was like, "I'm just gonna write a complete direct rip off of Duster." Like that's that's <laughs> what I wanted to sound like. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. what I want to do. Uh-huh. And then um, the LP was more like I don't know, like twee pop influenced. Like mm-hmm. there was this band Sour Patch from San Jose at the time that I listened to a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. In this band Ivy. Who play? Right, they're from the '90s that I liked a lot. No, Ivy. Um, it's like one of the fools from like Fountain Wayne, Souther Band. Oh, okay. But except way better than Fountain Wayne because yeah. that band's not good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> R.I.P. Though. Yeah. And yeah, and then like also kind of Duster influence again. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely a softer side. And then yeah, that's pretty much it. I feel like it, it does a nice like. There's a nice convergence with like where uh where the Tony records go around that time too where it's like that that softer kill the lights stuff even though I know that mm-hmm. he's like he's on like 60s music oh, with yeah, that right sure. yeah Yeah I wasn't even really like introduced to that world till me and him started kicking it like super tough and then like he just like put me on tall types of shit yeah dude that like man that shit that shit that like y'all record together is so 
in the pocket. Like it all sounds so fucking good. Like down to the down to the B three and like the uh the guitar tones on those tracks, like when he's soloing, it's like fucking straight up Harrison. Yeah, that dude's that just I mean and and I I don't even play on any of the recordings, so <laughs> You don't play drums on those recordings? Uh no, I'm gonna play drums on the new record that's coming out mm-hmm. eventually. But uh pretty much everything has been Tony and like Blaine played drums on some sessions. Got you. And Jasper, I think, played on some of it too. Mm-hmm. Well yeah. I, I will say that one of the things that I really, really like about Silk Road is are you playing the leads on those songs? Uh, yeah, I play the leads on the Silk Road stuff. I really like the way you play leads because I feel like you're playing a super melodic. I think that you're also like, you're so, you are really, really good at playing within your, like, I don't want to say capabilities because that sounds like diminishing. But well, no, that that that's the thing. I mean, like, I, I taught myself how to play guitar, and I still don't know how to play guitar. Yeah, like I don't know shit. So, like, pretty much, someone's like, "Oh, I love that thing you did on this part. Like, what is that?" I'm like, "I don't know what that is, but like, this is just how I play it. Like, that's how I write songs. I just, yeah, I I don't know. I I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I just what I'll just like fuck around until I find something that sounds cool or like." I'll learn a song that I like and like kind of learn the chords of that. And then just like, you know, I'm like, Oh shit, I didn't even know this was a thing. And then I'll just start writing a song off that. You know what I mean? Dude, discovering a chord and just writing a fucking song around it, not knowing what the fuck it is. This is the best shit. <laughs> it is. I mean, that's, that's how I do it at least. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So Silk Road then like how long, how long does some of these like, songs go back are these are these are these songs that you've had that you've been kind of working for a couple years now um i would say like one of the songs is from an old release killing pace yeah so that's like 2017 that and then that's uh cherry plaza right yeah fucking yeah. glad you re-recorded that one thank you yeah i was like if there's one i'm gonna do off this it's definitely gonna be that one yeah. for sure <laughs> um and then the three the three on the heaven's blade tape which mm. was originally four but i cut one off the tape uh that was like fall winter of 2018 mm-hmm. i think and then the whole record was pretty much demoed around that time but it took so long to come out because like pretty much teaching the guys how to play it and we were playing so many shows for no reason i don't know why and uh <laughs> I, I i hate i hate playing shows so like i don't but you're in like I 500 know. bands well it's different it, I, I like playing shows in other bands that aren't mine because yeah, it's like sure. less responsibility uh-huh. i just show up with like I'm like, oh, I don't have cymbals or snare, but I got my drumsticks. I just hop up and play. Tony knows what's up. They clown me all the time because my thing is like, I just hate bringing gear. Uh-huh. I like showing up late. And that's just, I don't know. I fuck with that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, but yeah, pretty much a, a lot of it was done like 
early 2018, and then it took a long time to record it. Mm-hmm. And then while we were recording it, the second day we were doing vocals, and it turns out that we were recording. The tape was at a different speed from the day before, so oh, we had so we had to go back to like L.A. like two months later and re-record all the leads and re-record all the vocals, and then TMB went on a summer tour and. That took up a lot of time. Then I came back and went on another tour with Hotline. And then at that time, I was like, Jasper, you know what's up. You've done our stuff before. Just mix and master it. And he killed it. He had it done in like a week or two weeks or something. It was super fast. And then right after that, I was like, okay, going to get the artwork done, going to send it out. And then it just came out super quick. Yo, who did the artwork on that thing? Uh, Alex Coxon from Milk Music. Dude, does he do the milk music artwork too? Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, dude, I love what he fucking did. It's dude, so his stuff's good. insane. Yeah, there's some shit that makes me feel like, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's just the times that we're in, but some of that shit that's like, like, ancient, uh, fucking imagery from yeah. like goddamn beginning of time i'm just like yes yeah his shit's wild um that's wild that you had like all this shit go on with the recording because it it fucking sounds so good thank you and you you just did that on like a eight track task cam uh yeah we did on a 388 task cam hell yes yeah um I love, I fucking love, one of the the things I love so much about listening to this thing is I love it. Every track ends with feedback that bleeds into the next track. It's so fucking nice. And the sequencing on this thing is so good, too. Especially just like, I don't know, each one of these songs seems to pick up in a different way. And I love the way like Smooth comes in with that. Which you yeah, don't I, come back kinda, to till the end. No, yeah, I, I, I don't know. My thing is like, especially writing a record. It's like, not that my songwriting or anything is so fucking like profound, but I'd rather have I'd rather have like two songs in this style of like someone that I've been listening to, and like two songs in this style that is like something completely different, and two songs that are like slower and like. Mm-hmm. And then just cram them all, like cram them all up in different places. So it's like, one song hits super hard and is super loud and super noisy. One's poppier, one's slow, one has an acoustic guitar on it. And so it's kind of like, you might hate the first song or hate the second song or hate the side A, but it's like I feel like there's something for everyone at the same time somewhere on the record. I love that you say that about two tracks. In the same style, because that's one of the things that I was kind of thinking, but didn't have it put into terms like that in my own head. Because it's like, you got some dreamy shit on here, too. Always Mm -hmm. on time. Oh, yeah. Dude, that shit is so fucking tight. I love that song. Where did that come from? Uh... I honestly don't know. <laughs> that that that's like the that's the hard hitter track. That was like 
written around the time Tony was like living with me pretty much, mm-hmm. and me and him were like just a bad influence on each other, drinking a lot, yeah, and staying up all night for weeks at a time. <laughs> but it's got that like guitar tone on it. It's so fucking cool. Is it like a chorus pedal? Uh, unfortunately, yes. <laughs> Tony's going to hear this and be like, yeah, of course it was a chorus pedal, you bitch-ass fool. <laughs> don't let him, don't let him fucking push you around like that. Oh, no, no, no. I'll beat that fool's ass. <laughs> Already have many times, so it ain't nothing new. I'm just ready for the roast is all. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But yeah, fucking a chorus pedal is a beautiful thing. I've got, I've got years of, of fucking Smith's obsession to thank for that totally um so i guess like it's it's funny you're you're in this spot where you're i feel like you're doing so much cool shit constantly and whether it's like with your band or with the label um i don't know i it's kind of something that i like latch on to more and more is just like the way you seem to keep it very close and also like i don't know 100 percent. i don't i don't feel like there's anything uh i don't feel like you're trying to like put one over on me ever you know what i mean i just at least my thing with the label is i i think most labels are bullshit where like they're like okay we're gonna put out your record it's not going to come out six months from now and we're going to spend this much money in your pr campaign which is practically more pretty pretty much as much as a pressing cost and they they try to sell you all to to these like you know stereo gum or whatever some bullshit like that and you know they're like okay we're going to spend all this time trying to make your record yeah but what if your record flops and what if it doesn't do good and it's probably a shitty record anyways why not just release a, release something at least like once a month? Release a tape, release a record, mm-hmm. and like it's bullshit labels that say they can't do that. They're like, well, we just want to give our artists the best, so that's why we put so much time into this release. It's like, no, you don't. You just care about marketing and you want to sell them and you want to sell their image or their identity or because they're a brown person or a person of color. It's like a lot of these labels are just on some clown shit, just like tokenizing people, and it's like. You honestly don't listen to music and you don't give a shit about music or the or the artists that you sign or the people that are on your label because if you did you would just be direct with them straight up like you you don't need you don't need 6 months of a fucking stupid ass PR campaign so like some blo- some nerd on blogspot can like write about you who you know yeah. I don't know to me it's it's all just been like all that shit that I've had in the past with like happy diving and yeah. Matt feels the same way now too, especially with big bike. He's like, I don't want to do any type of like PR with our records or singles or stuff. And Tony, you know, kind of the same thing. He, he sometimes doesn't have a choice cause you know, Mike wants to put him on, but mm-hmm. I don't know for, for the most part, the only time I'll like ever get like, a, you know, like, Oh, this band's streaming a full record and it'll be one of our friends, you know, like, the cult nation fools like yeah, those are the sure. homies and yeah. or fred Pissarro will like you know write something up but it's never like I, I don't know i don't think bands or artists need approval from like these like culturalist dickheads who like are literally just some gentrifier ass fool in an apartment in new york who are like haha i write for pitchfork i get to decide what's good and bad like nah you don't really mean shit and like the fact that you think your opinion matters that much is like 
beyond me. Like, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to live in that world. So, like, mm-hmm. just follow the label. There's new shit out every month. You know what I mean? There's something... I feel like there's something for everyone label. It's not just consistently one type of music. Like, I'm putting out Mikey from New Circle's new hardcore band, Mentor. They're having a 7-inch out early next month. Mm-hmm. And then I'm switching it back over to, like, this crazy-ass lo-fi LP that I'm putting out from this uh, from this girl named Nora in uh, in Norway. So it's like, I don't know. Labels just want to stick to, like, one genre, one thing that can sell, market it, and then just get a million clones of that and double it. And it's like it's the same tired bullshit like yeah dude for sure i feel like i mean especially like you know the tokenizing aspect of it just more and more it's like i don't know i fucking if i can see it if i can see it then it's fucking obvious right yeah and not only that it's like i've never in my life had to be like I'm a brown guy uh-huh. from the Bay Area. Listen to my music. I'm a brown guy from the Bay Area. You need to support me. Like, nah, like that. I don't give a shit. Like, mm-hmm. I am who I am. And if you know me, you know me. But like, I don't need to sell my music or sell my identity or be tokenized by like some fucking writer on Brooklyn Vegan about being a brown fool, like playing music and what I do. Like, that has nothing to do with it mm-hmm. for me personally. That's how I feel about it. But I see, like, a lot of these labels that are ran by, like, white fools who aren't even in the city they're from claiming the city and being like, we we just signed this new black artist on our label. It's like, what what are you doing? Like, (laughs) and and the thing is, a lot of people are so used to this, like, prepackaged bullshit that they, like, they buy it. They're like, oh, that is cool that this label is doing this. It's like, no, like, listen to the fucking record. Listen to the artist. Like, it's just, I don't know. Yeah, write ups are are dumb as hell to me, and like, like these like PR campaign things are just bullshit. Honestly, mm-hmm. yeah, I I really do enjoy the different types of shit that you put out. I mean, especially, you know, you got the you got the Healer seven inch, you got the Hotline TNT, you got the Toner LP. It's like. I don't know the um I feel like you you crafted a really good identity with that label where it it all feels like it all feels connected and it's also like yeah I think very easy to just be like there's no difference between these bands other than you know whatever you want to make of it it's all still part exactly. of the same shit totally and like that's the thing it's like most of the bands on the label are like all my friends, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We all come from different places, but like all the, it's all, we're all family and all homies. And like, it's never trying to sell anyone short or one up anyone. It's like, we're all on the same level. Let's just do this together because if you put it in someone else's hands, they're going to fucking rip you off. Try to offer you a bunch of money. That's going to seem nice. That's going to be gone in half a year. And then this, these motherfuckers own your masters and your records for the rest of time. Like, I don't own anyone's masters when I do this. It's like a handshake deal type of thing. Mm-hmm. And you've been living in this shit for how long now? I just, I, you know, San Francisco, Oakland is crazy. And I feel like it's kind of in the under, underneath on Silk Road is just the, uh, the way the city has been like swarmed with techies. 
Oh, yeah. And not only that, I mean, techies are shitty people, don't get me wrong, but then you also have people in, who claim they're playing the underground scene, underground music, but their whole thing is, like, they just want to be famous. They want attention. They're like, oh, well, like, like the, our promo pictures come first. Us getting signed comes first before actually writing the record. You know what? They do it every, they're trying to do everything backwards, and it's like, you're not playing music for the right reason. You're obviously doing it for some kind of weird self-gain or, like, self-absorbed bullshit. And, like, I see that in a lot of people in the Bay Area. It's like a who-you-know kind of game or, like, social climbing kind of game. And mm-hmm. I don't know. That's, like, not what me or any of the bands on Smoky Room fuck with at all. And so I like that we're, like, on our own island. And it's, like, what we're doing really doesn't involve you. It's our own thing. If you like it, like it. If you don't, fuck off and go try to be famous and get signed to whatever big label you have in mind, I guess. Yeah, dude, for sure. It's... I don't know. It's it's cool what y'all have. Um, I I very much identify with the feeling of just like I don't know, man. I I think that like the um, timelines just kind of fucking took over everything. It just it's a it's a tough thing to watch people like try and feel like they got to keep up with something. It's just like I no, just make music. Totally. Just, yeah, exactly. Just put out whatever you can. It doesn't matter. And most of the time, like Tony told me too, he's like, a lot of the time the demos are better than the actual record. And it's like, it's true. Like half the stuff that mm. this comes out, like that I put out, Island of Love, Glow, all this, it's like, these are just bedroom recordings like no one thought were going to come out. And they came out and the people can't believe that stuff now. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's good to see them like grow and get that attention like organically. Like they didn't, they didn't force it on anyone. They didn't have to have some fucking PR thing. It's like they're just good songs that they wrote in the room and had no expectations for. And like I love that people are catching on to it and like listening to them and giving that them what the attention they deserve because they're actually working for themselves. Yeah. Dude, that's I think that that's one of my favorite things about Silk Road that man, now that we talk about it more and more, it, it it's fucking sinking in is just the fact that there's a lot of different stuff happening on this record. These songs sound different, but the difference between listening to, you know, something like this versus something with the different production value is that all of this shit just sounds like it came from the same room. It's not like, all right, cool. Uh, this is going to be the shoegazy part so let's get that fucking tone that we're never gonna go back to uh right and oh they just so happen to be like switch sides the players on it and this shit like i don't know there there's a there's a great like fucking even tone throughout it y'all are tight and these songs are fucking great thank you i try to just be as straightforward as possible with it it's like Nothing really on the tone. It's kind of like it just goes through the whole way. Mm-hmm. We don't really change it up. I think Always On Time is the only song we like stopped and kind of tweaked it a little. But everything was done live and just shot it out. And leads and vocals were done separate but in the same session. So, like, it is what it is. Hell, yeah. And you got you got the Healer 7-inch is out oh, now, Oh, yeah, right? that, just, that just came out on 625, yeah. Fuck, yeah. I wasn't 
sure if I was allowed to say the band name like on the podcast. If I wasn't like betraying the underground. Oh, uh, that's not up to me. That's up to Tony Insane. So I don't know, but. (laughs) But you ready for this? Ready to be impressed by me? Oh, Healer, the like the Immortal Fates song, right? You already know. You already know. That had to that had to make it in here. Uh, you know, I'm a five one zero West End fool, but. You know, obviously, the other boys are on that West Bay, so. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, dude, thanks so much for coming on and talking to me. Of course, man. Thanks for having me. All right, Bubbas, thank you for joining us. Check out Toner at tonerca.bandcamp.com, smokingroom.bigcartel.com, betteryetpod.com, betteryetpodcast.bandcamp.com, pledge to the show on patreon patreon.com slash podcast proceeds from that patreon go to the show and to samuelito and to people's breakfast oakland hellablackpod.com slash pbo we'll see you next week thank you friends